Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. This is an incredible series. It's very relevant. It doesn't matter if you're a student. It doesn't matter what age you are. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're retired, anywhere in between. Every Christian, if you've accepted Christ, you are literally a priest of God. You are a Bible priest, not like a Catholic priest or a Protestant priest, nothing wrong with any of that. Um, it's a Bible priest, and actually a Catholic or Protestant priest that accepts Jesus, they're also a Bible priest. And what we do as priests is so amazing. We have this privilege of offering sacrifices up to God. And here's our theme verse for the series. It goes like this, 1 Peter 2, 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So remember, we're like the Levites, not Aaron. He was the type of high priest, Jesus. But the whole rest of the tribe, that's who we are. God's called us to offer up these spiritual sacrifices. There are six of them. Uh, we're skipping one for this series. We're skipping worship because I teach on it a lot. And we do it every weekend here at Believers. So I thought I'll leave it out of this series because the other five we neglect all the time. We don't talk much about them. So I thought let's, let's talk about those. Remember, uh, the priests in the Old Testament, those Levites, they had those white robes on and they went through their day. They were really special. And they knew, hey, I have a place that's unique. Well, God's placed a robe of righteousness on every single Christian. So you and I, I want us to go through our day seeing, hey, we're priests, man. We're not just nobodies. We're priests of the Most High God, and we're going to talk about two of the spiritual offerings today. They're, they're connected, so we'll, we'll deal with two today. And I want to open up with a story. This is a Joe story. This is one of those events, and I think we all have them, where God just really changes or impacts your life. And about 13 years ago, I heard that Jefferson Elementary School, uh, this is when they were just K through three, I heard they needed some tutors, and we hadn't adopted them yet. As our, as our school here on the Warren campus. And so I thought, you know what? I can do that. I have to go once a week, so I picked Tuesday morning. I thought I'll work two hours extra. I checked with HR here. So I would just work two hours later, and then I would go in the morning. So I remember the first morning I went, they gave me kindergarten first graders, and um, I tutored them in math. And I walked through that first session, and obviously my kids were uh, already in junior high, and, and grown a little bit, so I understood how to deal with kids, especially any that had problems. Uh, I knew how to deal with kids, so uh, I had a blast, and I left that first day with the biggest smile on my face, because that was the first time I really sowed my time into something I had nothing to do with, and there's just, there was a joy and a, and, and a fulfillment that I had never felt, so I did that for two years, every Tuesday, and then I just felt a shift, and I heard about another thing, and I really felt I was ready for that. And it was big brother, big sister. And so the idea there is they give you a little. They give you, for, for guys, they give us a, a young boy that doesn't have a father figure. And one of the guys I was tutoring, I really connected with him because he reminded me of me in school. So I just thought, I, and he had no father. I had a father. And I just, I felt like this guy needs a father figure in his life. So I hooked up and he became my little. And uh, it for nine years now, he just turned 18. I took him in third grade, and we went out last week after church, and uh, I talked about the tabernacle and how they offered up those meat sacrifices and how it smelled like 
a steakhouse, and this priest were probably tempted to bring their steak sauce in. So I took him to Barry Dingle's for his birthday <laughs> in Austintown, man. And I had a nice steak, and I just couldn't not do that, you know, after talking about it. And we had the greatest time. And when you do Big Brother, Big Sister, they want you to put in eight hours a month. They want you to do four hours twice a month with these young people. My kids were older, and they're running around, and they're busy. So I, I decided I'm going to take that time. And it's a little bit of a sacrifice, but the joy that it brought me was amazing. And the thought that it's a, actually, a, we're going to talk about it. Whenever we help the helpless, it's a sacrifice. It's one of those offerings that we give up to God. And it brought contentment like I've never felt. So I'm not saying you need to be a tutor. I'm not saying you need to hook up with big brother or big sister. Now, some of you might be interested, Borman and Warren here, uh, just call, their offices in Girard, just call them. And uh, Marguerite's the woman that I deal with there. And may, maybe you're at a stage in your life. I know you have to be at a certain stage. I couldn't do it when my kids were young. But you have to be at a certain stage where you can do something like this. Or God may want you to do some other things. The idea is, the reason I share the story is it brought me fulfillment like I had never felt. And I was offering up this offering that I had never really offered up to God. So here's my big idea for this lesson. This is what I want us to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And it goes like this. Helping the helpless is our sacrifice. And we're going to talk about how big a deal this is to God. And we're going to talk about how it will impact and change our lives forever. It's this beautiful sacrifice. So let's read a famous verse, Hebrews 13, 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise or worship, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. So if you've accepted Christ and you openly profess he's my savior, one of the main fruits that should come out of your mouth is worship. And I think we do that really well here. Borman and Warren, TCI, you guys have great worship. Can, can we just give it up for our worship team and thank them for the great job they do? Borman, let's do that, TCI. It's amazing. So we're, we're so familiar with this one. This one we're familiar with. But listen to the very next verse. And do not forget. This one's easy to forget, right? This is also a sacrifice. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, doing good and sharing with others, God is also pleased, Right? And doing good just means acts of kindness. And, you know, it could be anything that we do that's good. And then sharing with others is referring to helping the poor. And we're going to talk about these two sacrifices, helping the poor and doing good. That's helping the helpless is our sacrifice. And there's a really cool event in the Bible. You know, God first brought Jesus to just Jewish people. And so they were just preaching in Israel and in Jerusalem after Jesus was raised from the dead. But then God wanted to bring it to everybody, all the non-Jews, and he chose one man to do it. He was going to be the first one. His name was Cornelius. He was actually a soldier. Isn't that pretty cool? He was a Roman soldier. God picked him to be the first non-Jew to accept Christ. God literally sent an angel to him to tell him, send for Simon Peter, who's in Joppa, is Simon the Tanner's house. And so God told him the exact address. He said, go get Peter. And Peter, at the same time, has a vision, and all these unclean animals come down in the net. And, and Peter said, Lord, I've never eaten any unclean animals, and I, and I never will. And God kept doing it till he got it. And what God showed him was, don't call anything unclean that I've called clean. And God showed him, I want to bring Christ to the Gentiles too. So, and one of the benefits was Paul got to begin to eat 
peppers and sausage sandwiches, right? So, or, or Peter, he, he, it's like it also freed him there. He got into some, some trouble about that in Galatians. So, so let me show you what happened. Here it goes, Acts 10.4. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. That's amazing. Now, the word memorial literally means a record or a reminder. So I don't know how that works in heaven, but I just was thinking of how we have screens today, our LED screens, you know. And uh, there's some kind of supernatural LED screen. And here's what God's saying. And I want to I bring this out every week in a, one way or another. Every sacrifice we make goes up to heaven as a sweet-smelling sacrifice, and it's right before God. God sees it. Next weekend, we're going to deal with prayer, so we're not, we're not interested in prayer this weekend. But I have something for us next weekend. I think it will revolutionize our prayer, our prayer life, so I'm really excited about talking about the sacrifice of prayer. But notice how his offerings to the poor also came up before God, and so God decided, I'm going to use this man. Cornelius was not a Christian, but he believed in God, hadn't heard about Jesus yet. He was a godly man, and I think it's amazing that even his offerings went up before the Lord as he did that. He knew God as well as he could at the time. Now God's going to bring Christ to him. But everything we do, all that we offer up, goes up to heaven as a memorial. So I got to thinking about how can you and I feel the emotion that God feels when we offer up our sacrifices. And it reminded me of an event that happened in my life not too long ago. My grandchildren, uh, Ophelia wasn't born yet, so uh, the baby wasn't born yet, but Joe and Riley were over. Joe was nine, Riley was seven. And we're in the kitchen, and I'm playing a game with them, and Gina's making something for them, but we're all in the same room. And I decided just to goof off a little bit, and I knew Riley liked that uh, cartoon Frozen. And I mean, that was a couple years ago, but I knew she liked it. And so I just decided to sing one of the songs. And I can't remember words to songs, and I mess words up to songs all the time. But this, I just thought these were the words. And I began to sing, let it snow, let it snow. And it's supposed to be let it go. And she goes crazy. She goes, Poppy. And I said, no, it's let it snow because it's frozen. It's cold, right? It's going to snow. She goes, no, it's let it go. And then she said, I'm going to write the lyrics out for you. She, she runs and gets a pad. She's, again, seven. And she begins to write, and she sings a little bit, and then she asks me how to spell words, and she's writing them out. And I said, honey, I can Google the words. I Google them. I sit here. She says, I'm going to teach you how to sing it. I, I said, let's just do it off the screen. She goes, no, no, I'm writing it out so you can keep it, Poppy. Took her a half hour to write the song out, and I kept saying, you sure you don't want to Google it and just copy it or do something? No, Poppy, we're going to do it. And, and, and here's what it looked like. I just wanted you to see one of them. Uh, this, is, this is how it looked. And it, I'm telling you, that half hour, my heart was smitten, all right? And it's like, I'll, I will buy you anything. I will do anything. She took that much time with me, right? And then when we were done, she made me sing it with her. And I am terrible, not, not only my voice, I'm terrible at melodies and the whole thing. I mess them up like crazy. But she made me keep doing it and doing it. And it's a moment I'll never forget. I, I kept those, but I also took pictures of them so they're on the cloud too, right? And, and, and 
the emotion it brought. And I just want you to, I wanted you to somehow try to feel that's what happens every time you and I offer up these sacrifices to God. He keeps them. He looks at them on a screen. It's a very precious thing. Our priesthood is an amazing thing that God gave us to stand in and walk in. And it changes the way we do everything. Last week we talked about our service is our sacrifice, what we do for the kingdom of God. This week we're going to go outside and, and we're going to talk about what we do outside these four walls. Not that we don't do good and help the poor within our four walls too, but God wants us to get out there and do some of this. So uh, let me give you some thoughts. Here's my first one that I think is so important. Uh, you and I were created to do good works. God literally created us to do good works. It's your DNA. When you accepted Jesus, he recreated you on the inside. It's your DNA. It's, it's something you long to do. You want to do it. And I love this scripture. Ephesians 2.10 reads this way. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God literally created us to want to crave to help other people, to help the helpless. And I love this last part. Watch this which God prepared in advance for us to do. I really believe God prepares seasonal things for us to do, like tutor for two years, big brother for nine years. But I also believe as we're walking through our day, God's always wanting us to look for an opportunity. Somehow, some way, we can do good. We can be a blessing to whoever we run into. I was at a pastor's conference, I think almost 20 years ago. One of my mentors was teaching. And he made a statement that revolutionized my life. It really changed me because I was, I was a decent pastor 20 years ago, but I was still kind of self-centered Joe, you know, and, and just, you know, focused on myself and what my needs are and what my church's needs corporately are. And uh, he made a statement that changed me forever. He said, as pastors, especially if we're in a community for a long period of time, we become uh, very influential. We begin to meet people, and we know people here and know people there. And we have a lot of connections. And he made this statement. He said, we should always use our influence to help anybody that has a need. And he says, if someone comes up to you with a need, and you can connect them over here, connect them over there, if you can help them, he said, that's, that's part of what God's called us to do, and that's the good works. And so I like to walk through my weekend, walk through my day, and I want to encourage you to do it this week. Just if God brings something to our path and we can be a blessing, just that one-time thing, let's, let's be a blessing. God created us to do that. Here's another point, a uh, really incredible point about good works. Here it is. God is glorified by your good works. It literally brings him glory when you do these acts of kindness. And here's a famous verse. Listen to this, Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, every local church, Borman, you're a light in your community. Uh, TCI, you guys are a light there at TCI. Here, we're a light in our community. Local churches are lights, and that's why we do a lot of good deeds. Borman, you do some incredible things. Guys, you are incredible here. Uh, you guys are so generous. You're always giving. You're always helping. Uh, we are a light, but guess what? We're also a light individually. And you guys are going to go places I can never go. You're going to go places and, and rub shoulders with people that will never, ever come to this church, never visit. And I like to say it this way. You're the only Bible most 
non-Christians will ever read until they accept Jesus. We are the Bible they're going to read. And that's what he's talking about. Watch this next verse, uh, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So literally, the world is watching, and we're gonna talk about what glorifying God means. We'll, we'll show you in, in a moment. But I just wanna take a moment and talk about it's not necessarily what we say, it's what we do that catches people's attention. So good deeds are important, but can I throw something else in there because this is also really important and I forget it sometimes so I have to remind myself of it sometimes. Um, our character impacts people. Our kindness, our goodness, how we react or how we don't react negatively and none of us are perfect so when we blow it, what do we say? Hey, I, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Would you forgive me? That's, that's, that's what all of us should be doing when we blow it, right? And that, that impresses people when they see that we're, 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 we can actually say we were wrong. But think about where you go, where you hang out, and think about what your character, your goodness, your honesty, your kindness, it can, it's a light. It literally softens people's hearts to bring them into the kingdom. Ask to any of our good works. Helping the helpless is our sacrifice. It's so powerful. Peter said it this way, guys, 1 Peter 2.12, live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. So, you know, the Bible teaches that we, if, if we accepted Jesus, we're not of this world. We're in a human body, but we're of, we're of God's kingdom and uh, that we're pilgrims passing through, right? So the natives are just the non-Christians, okay? And we're walking in their midst. But I think this last part is amazing. Listen to the last part. So that your actions, your exemplary life, your good works will refute their prejudices. Most of you probably noticed, no one cares if you talk about God. Unless they're an atheist. Nobody really cares. Majority of people could care less. But if you talk about Jesus, it ruffles feathers. And you know why it ruffles feathers? There's a spirit in the world called the spirit of antichrist. That means against Jesus. And people don't even know why they don't like Jesus. They just don't like Jesus. So if you tell them, well, God bless you, or you tell them, you know, I'm going to pray to God, most people could care less. It's like, well, thank you. But you begin to talk about Jesus, and it just stirs people up because there's that antichrist spirit. And that's okay because we can refute it. You know how we refute it? By how we live in front of people. It's our lifestyle and, and good works and all those things that we do. So, so listen to what happens to these people. It, it goes on to say, then they will be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. That means they'll accept Christ and they'll be there when Jesus comes back. So, you know, in this community, I almost have to be good because everybody knows who I am, Right? <laughs> So I can't go anywhere without someone saying, hi, Pastor Joe. I mean, I was just in a place of business a couple of days ago, and, and I, I, everybody was stopping me. And, hey, I watched the show, and thank you for the show. And then the people that work there, hey, Pastor Joe. I don't even know who they are. Hey, Pastor Joe. I'm, I met someone from Bourbon. I, I, I met Tim. Tim, I'm so glad to meet you. He worked there, and I got to meet Tim. And, and, and I didn't know him when he said hi, but then he told me, oh, I go to Borman. I've been there since the, the first service, before, one service before your opening service. And I've never had the pleasure of meeting Tim. So I have to behave. 
no matter where I go. I, I know people know me, so it just makes me be good. But when I'm out of town, nobody knows me, right? And so God has dealt with me to live an exemplary, be nice. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go crazy. I'm not sinning. But I can be grumpy. I could tell someone off pretty quick. And so I, I have learned that I'm going to live. And I, if, if I can do it, anybody can do it. So it just, it, it just impacts people and brings them to Christ. Hey, let's take a moment now. Let's talk about helping the poor. And here's a thought here. That's, this is an amazing thought. Helping the poor is God's priority. So think about whatever your priorities are. And, and, and whatever our priorities are, can we, all, can we all say those things get done? If your priority is to pray, you'll get up in the morning to pray. If it's to work out, you'll get up in the morning to work out. One way or another, before you go to bed, you will find a way to do what your priority is. And that's not bad. That's okay. But guess what? Helping the poor is God's priority. It's so important to God that we help the poor. And that, I, it took me years to figure this out, that that's the heart of God. But listen to this scripture, Leviticus 19.9. When you, when you harvest the crops of your land... Do not harvest the grain along the edges. I don't know, they left a foot or so. They didn't harvest. And then it says, of your fields, and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. So if something falls out of the basket, don't go back and get it. Just allow it to leave later. Well, this is an agrarian society, so everybody's farming, you know. And you have to ask yourself, why? Well, the next verse shows us. Listen to verse 10. It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Why? Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living amongst you. I am the Lord, your God. He even signed it. That's how important it is. So God wanted poor people and even foreigners to be able to go and glean in the fields. And he said, leave them some food so they can go and they can grab a bag of food so that their needs are met. It's just a huge priority to God. So I was reading this years ago, probably two decades ago, and, and, and I just read it and I thought about it. I go, Lord, I don't farm. There's, what, what I don't have, I'm not able to do that. And, and then I went to the store and I broke a five, I think it was, and they gave me pennies and nickels and dimes and some quarters. And, 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 and I thought of the scripture and I thought, wow, what, what if we created a bank here at Believer's that people could drop change in. And you drop any amount you want. If you just want to do pennies, nickels, and dimes, that's fine. You want to throw quarters, that's fine. And so we created this bank, guys. It, it says change one, that's the name, collecting change to change the poor. And here in Warren, they're in our north lobby here, guys. And we have a depot. You, you fill them up, you bring them back, you just empty them in the depot. Um, in Borman, you guys just had them placed there. And what you do is you fill them up, you bring them back, and then you take an empty one and you leave, you leave yours that is full. This is an incredible, we taught our kids to do this years ago. And, you know, whatever, we just said, put some of your change in. Let's help the poor. And they're like, Daddy, we're poor. And I said, you know, not, not Gene and I, but them, you know, they're kids. We don't have anything, you know. I'm still in your quarters for lunch, Dad. And uh, so, but, but, you know, we taught them to give, you know. And, and uh, it's an amazing thing. So when I break my money, I, I, I just drop them in there. Uh, I keep most of my quarters. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you because for my grandkids and then Aldi's to you know, pay for the, the thing there at Aldi's. But, but uh, I got to have some quarters for that, right? So, so, but most of them I put, I put in. And, and all it is, guys, is it's just saying, hey, 
Here's a way we can give. And it's amazing. We have thousands and thousands of dollars come into our benevolence here at Believers just by people saying, this thing that means nothing to me, this penny, this nickel, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it in. And everybody brings it in. It begins to be, become a lot of money. And we, we have a beautiful benevolence department here. And uh, Gene and I also give monthly. We actually give monthly to benevolence. Um, and it's not a lot. And God always looks at percentages anyway, right? So we give our regular giving, but then we, uh, we give a little bit every month to help the poor, plus we bring our change in. And, and it's an amazing thing to do. Here's, here's another thought. It's a pretty cool thought. Helping the poor honors God. It literally brings God honor. Now, I really struggled with this years ago. I had an event that really tainted me. Uh, the church was young. It was probably 84, 1984. We had a guy come in off the street asking for money, and we gave him a 20. And um, then he came back later and wanted to use our bathroom, so we let him. Then he left, and I'm walking down the hall by that bathroom, and I smelled the most awful smell. It was so bad. And I, I thought, that smells familiar, but I just can't place it. And I walk in, and there's two empty tubes of model glue. He was sniffing the glue that we gave him the $20 bill to go buy. He brought it back and sniffed it in our church bathrooms. And I thought, we just fed this poor guy's addiction. I mean, I wasn't upset with him for having an addiction. I was upset that I fed that addiction. So what we've learned to do here at Believers is filter. We fil when we help the poor, we really are making sure they're not using it for the wrong reason. And we just learn to filter. We'll say, give us some of your bills. We'll pay the bills, that type of thing. And, and just not always just give somebody that, that cash. And so I, I said all that, but I want to go back to this. It literally honors God. Guys, listen to Proverbs 14.31. Those who oppress the poor insult their maker. None of us are doing that. But helping the poor honors him. We honor God. So I was so tainted, I thought, God, I'm not giving anybody any money because I don't know how they're going to use it. Then I figured out, oh, there's, there's ways to filter that. And it literally brings honor to God. And there's one more thought I want to bring, guys. It's a beautiful thought. And... It, it goes like this, and I, I hesitated on whether or not I should share it because I don't want us to ever give to get. I don't want us to have that mentality. I don't want to have that mentality. But the Bible does teach that when we give, God does give back. And he teaches something really fascinating with the poor. And I want you to see what he says about you and I helping the poor. But let's look at Proverbs 19:17. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. How many of us believe God would, will repay his loans? He, he does. He repays his loans. Um, years ago, I bought my first house, and I didn't have money for down payment, so I borrowed it off my dad, $10,000 for my first house. And guys, remember this? It, it used to be 18% interest in a bank on a CD. It had gone down to 11 and a quarter, so my dad was getting 11 and a quarter on that money, which is amazing. Of course, interest on the home was expensive too. But I borrowed it off him and I said, Dad, I'm going to pay you 11 and a quarter because I'm not going to take from my dad. And, and, and so we argued about it, but I said, no, I'm giving you 11 and a quarter percent interest. And guess what? I paid my loan off. Now, if, if me, just being a son, paid my loan off to my dad, how many of us, again, believe God will repay his loans? And God says, every time you help the poor, I'm seeing it as if you lent me money 
In one way or another, God's going to bless you. One way or another, God's going to bring that back into your life. And he does that every time we give and every time we help. So I want to close this out, and I want to ask a question. How many of us are excited that God cares about the helpless, whether it's the poor or someone else that has no father or uh, has a need in their life? Are you excited that God loves and cares about the helpless? That means someday if we have a need, we can know God's caring about us, right? And God's looking out for us, and God wants to help us. Some of you listening right now have some great needs in your life, and it's important to remind yourself Man, you're a priority to God. God really cares. Can we just give it up to God and say, thank you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for using us. Thank you, Lord God. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Father, I did my best to teach this part of the Bible. And what's really cool, God, is no matter what age we are, we can begin to walk in this. And I, I didn't learn some of this until I was older. But Lord, again, the joy that I've felt just being a blessing as, as much as I can. And I know so many people here feel the same joy. Borman, Warren, we're reaching out as a church. We're reaching out as individuals. And Lord, I thank you for stirring all of us, all the men at TCI, all of us to let our light shine, all of us to help the helpless at any level we can. And Lord, it's so cool to know that all of that is an offering up to heaven. Thank you, Lord. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I believe every time we teach the Bible, God's stirring hearts by his Holy Spirit. It's not weird, but it's supernatural. And heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I believe God's stirring many people to just take a step in one direction or another. Or maybe open your eyes and look for some good deeds that you can do. God, God is stirring you. So I want to just encourage you as you're in prayer, to say, yes, God, yes, I'm going to do that very thing. And so as we're praying and God's doing what he can only do, because he is real, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to talk to also another group of people. Maybe you walked in, here it is, Labor Day weekend, and you're wondering, what am I doing in church on Labor Day weekend, right? But you're here. And maybe you're not sure if you're forever, your eternity. You know, that's why Jesus died. That's why God sent him. That's why the Bible boldly declares, whoever calls on his name, he will save them. That's why Jesus boldly declared, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father unless they go through me. He is the Savior of all the world. And I want to ask you a question, most important question anyone could ever ask you. There's no more, no question that's more important than this one. What have you done with Jesus? because he's the only way to have eternal life. So I'm not asking you if you grew up in church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. All great things is what I'm asking. What have you done with Jesus? You can go to church and not know Jesus. You can grow up in church and not know Jesus. I did. <laughs> it's very easy to do. Can you remember a day when you prayed and called on his name? If you, can't, if you say, I can't, but I'm ready to do that, would you pray right now? Some of you at TCI, this, 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 is your, this is your moment. Borman, your moment. Warren, your moment. Some of you are here. So if you're praying this for the first time, I, I want to ask you to just mean it from your heart. God will do the rest. And the rest of us, can we help them pray? Just if you're, Again, praying it, just mean it. Say this after me. Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained. 
And so today, I look to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for the sins of the entire world, mine included. I believe God raised you from the dead. Now listen, listen, this is important. And this day, I accept you as my Savior. And I call you Lord and make a decision to follow you. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.